Turn your Bibles today, if you would, uh, to Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to continue our series and actually conclude our series today entitled The Blessed Life. How many of you guys have been enjoying this series? Five of you. All right. Well, if you haven't been enjoying it, maybe I've been catching the heart of it. Uh, but it's been a great series. It's been challenging us to understand what is the blessed life in biblical context, not just what the wor- world calls blessed, but what does the Bible say about living the blessed life, and what does the blessed life even look like? And so we've been talking about those things. Uh, as we laid out a definition in week one, we talked about this. We talked about the blessed life, and when we see in Scripture, the blessed life encompasses these things. It encompasses favor, that when God blesses you, there's favor on your life. Uh, we talked about that when God blesses you, that you're happy. Come on, how many Christians are happy today? Come on. Come on, how many of you guys are happy today? All right. Okay, that there's happiness there when you're living the blessed life and you're living in relationship with Jesus. There's longevity. And we talked about authority. And today I want to talk about this one called prosperity and how that looks, how that works, and what does that mean. We laid that out as the definition, favor, happiness, longevity, authority, and prosperity. We talked in week two about giving, that the greatest principle you could apply in your life in order to keep the blessings of God coming is through giving. Now, if you, did, you weren't here for that message, we weren't just talking about giving financially. We were talking about giving of ourselves, giving of our time, giving of our talents, that as we continue to give to others and bless others, that it opens up the windows of heaven over our life, and it keeps the blessings of God coming. How many of you guys want the blessings to continue to come in your life, okay? And so as we apply that principle of giving, the blessings of God keep coming in our life. What are those blessings? It's favor, it's happiness, that if you want to live a happy life, and we talked about how it's proven scientifically that givers are more happy in life than takers. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, don't get me wrong. Come on, how many of you guys like a good gift every now and then? Okay? I like a good gift. But let me tell you something, man, that there is so much happiness and fulfillment that comes when we begin to give away and we begin to give to people expecting nothing in return. Last week, we talked about being blessed in community. And we launched our community groups last week. And if you did not sign up for one, you can do so at the back table or go online and do that. But we talked about that principle being blessed in community. When you surround yourself with the right people, when you find yourself in a time of need or a time of hurt, a time of pain, that you have that community around you that will pick you up. And come on, the the main place they're going to point you to is Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we have to surround ourselves with a community. We see throughout the whole entire body that two are better than one. When Jesus sent the disciples out, he sent them out two by two. Come on, when the animals went into the ark. Come on, somebody. You know your scripture, right? You remember Sunday school. They went in in twos. Why is that? Because two is better than one. When you surround yourself with a community, it helps keep you on track, helps keep you going towards Jesus Christ. Well, today I want to talk to you about the principle of being blessed in the tithe or being blessed in the test. Malachi 3, starting in verse 6. If you have your Bibles, go and open them up. If not, you can look in the screens. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? How are we going to come back to you? What does that look like? Verse 8, question is proposed. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes 
and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe, the first and the best part of everything you have, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you what? Blessings. Pour down for you blessings. Pour down favor, happiness, longevity, authority, and prosperity. That I'll pour down upon you blessings until there is no more need. I'll rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12, then all the nation will call you blessed. All the nation will call you blessed. Where does the blessed come from? It comes as we put God to the test, as we begin to bring the tithes into the storehouse, as we begin to bring our contributions in, the first and the best, the first part of all we have. We will be blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that your word is absolutely amazing. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments, Lord, you would speak to us. God, I pray that our heart would be opened up, our eyes would be opened up to understand what this really means. What does a tithe mean? That, God, we would see it from a biblical perspective. God, you would challenge us. God, you would encourage us, and we would walk out of here in greater faith in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. There were two guys, and they were, they, they were shipwrecked next to an island. When they got to the island, they pulled themselves up on shore, and one guy began to pound the sand. He said, we're going to die. We're going to die. There's no food. There's no water. We're, we're going to die. And he looks up at his friend, and his friend is just chilled, leaned up against the palm tree in the shade, just kicked back, totally calm. No worry at all. First guy gets ticked off, and he's like, what's wrong with you? Don't you understand? We're, we're going to die. There's nothing here. There's no food. There's no water. It's over. We're going to die. First guy, or the other guy just popped up and said, no, no, you, you don't understand. I make $100,000 a week. The other guy looks at him and is like, are you crazy? Your money's not going to do any good for you here. There's no food. There's no, there's no stores. We're going to die. The other guy just kicked back and said, look, you don't get it. I make 100000 a week, and I tithe 10% to my church every week. Wherever I'm at, my pastor is sure to find me. Come on. Talk about security. Come on. What we're going to see today, though, is this, is that the tithe really isn't all about the money. What we're going to see today is that the tithe is primarily about your trust in God. That the tithe is primarily about where you're at in your relationship with God. It's not really about the money at all. I want to talk to you real shortly about being blessed in the tithe or being blessed in the test. Now let me just clarify something, something you will not hear me say today and something that hopefully you'll never hear me say that is this, is that if you tithe, you'll be rich, okay? And maybe you've been to places that have, have, have preached that or have shared that. You won't hear that today. You won't hear me say that, that if you tithe, you will be wealthy, okay? But what you will hear me tell you today is this, is that if you tithe, the blessings of God will come on your life, okay? Because we just read it in Malachi. We just saw it that if we bring the whole tithe, the first, the best, into the storehouse, that there'll be blessings, the Bible says, okay? 
Now, if you're here and you're desiring to be wealthy and you're desiring to, to have financial independence, okay, it doesn't just come because you tithe. I've seen people try to do that before. I've seen preachers try to pitch it that way before. Hey, just give, and God is going to bless your bank account, okay? I, I've seen that. I, I, I've, I, I've been sitting where you're sitting and heard that shared. Now, let me just tell you this. If you want to be financially independent, is tithing a part of the process as a believer? Yes, I believe it is. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of wealthy people in our nation that aren't believers, but yet they practice this giving of 10%, okay? And they even said, look, man, I, I don't know what it, what's happening here, but it's working, okay? And so, yes, it's a part of it, man. As you tithe, that is definitely a part of the, the financial increase, okay? Because God continues to bless, and you continue to give. But can I just say this? If you want to be financially independent, tithing is step one, but there's got to be some more steps after that. Like step two, have a budget. Some of you are like, whoa, what's that? How do you spell that? You know? Isn't that the rental car place? No. You've got to have a budget, okay? You know, you, can I just be honest with you? The reason that people are in debt is because they don't live according to a budget or live within their means. It's the only way debt occurs, okay? If you would have a budget and you would live within your means, you would not have debt. And somebody's like, oh, yeah, what, what, what happens if my car breaks down? Because, you know, if you're that person, you're, I know the first thing you're looking to, you're looking to your credit card. And after you look to your credit card, come on, somebody, then you pray, right? Okay. Well, that's why you have a line item in your budget that says car repairs. And you put money away monthly for car repairs. Am I going over somebody's head today? I feel like I just lost everybody. Like, he, I, he lost me at budget, you know. <laughs> Go back to the wealthy part. Come on, tell me, just tell me to give 10%. Forget the budget. Come on, somebody. Yeah. No, you got to have a budget. Why? Because a budget keeps you living within your means. Yes, tithe. Give that 10%. We're going to talk about it here, but have a budget. And if you don't have a budget, man, come talk to us afterwards. We'll hook you up with some people that are great and skilled at helping people set up budgets. Because I guarantee you that if you set up a budget, not only will you begin to live within your means, you'll realize you have a lot more than you thought you had. It's so true. And thirdly, if you want to be financially independent, learn to invest wisely. Okay? Learn to invest wisely. Wisely. Buying a house in 2005 was not a wise investment. Trust me, I learned the hard way, okay? Buying a house right now, if you have some money, buy a couple of them. Come on, somebody, okay? Learn to invest wisely, and you do those things, but, but today, uh, what I want to talk to you about is this principle of being blessed in the test, the tithe. Will it make you wealthy? No, but will bring the blessings of God into your life. Let's look here, and let's get some context on what's taking place in Malachi, since that's the passage we read today. What's taking place in Malachi is that up until this point, the people of God were very blessed. That they were bringing in the first fruits, the tithe, if you will. And they were bringing this in, and God was pouring out great blessings on them. They were so blessed, they had so much. Their livestock was increasing, their crops were increasing. I mean, it was just like a party. Everything was going so well. But what happened is, is the people began to look at what they had. And they begin to, to look at their crops and in their livestock. And see, back then, they didn't bring necessarily the, the money, but what they brought was they brought their livestock. They would bring like a lamb. And they would bring their best lamb, the most beautiful lamb, the prize lamb. Come on, the one that would win you first place in 4-H. You all know what I'm talking about, okay? You would bring that one, and that's the one you would represent as a sacrifice and an offering to God, okay? 
But what they begin to do is they begin to look around and they begin to say this. They begin to say, wow, I mean, if I save that best one, then man, you know, the genetics in the whole lineage of lambs, come on somebody, is going to increase. I mean, I'm going to have some amazing lambs if I keep the best one. So I should keep that one. You know what I'll do? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give that one over there that's kind of limping. It's got its eye gouged out. Come on, somebody. I'll take that one because, you know what, it's just, you know, I, I'm probably just going to eat it for supper anyway. Lamb chops. I'm going to take that one, and I'll, I'll bring that one. And so they begin to take not their first and not their best. They would begin to take their weakest and the ones they didn't want because this one could bring them money at the market. This other one, man, it, it, you know, that if they kept it, it could improve their, their lambs across the board. And so they take that one, they begin to offer it. And as they did that, God begins to look down, and he begins to say, hold on a second, you're robbing me of the tithe. You're keeping the first and the best for yourself rather than bringing it into the storehouse, rather than bringing it to me as a sacrifice. And God looks down, and let's just, as you read it, you see this, he ain't happy about it. So what happened is, is God said, you know what, let's see how well you do without my blessing on your life. And so he began to remove his blessing from them. And as he removed the blessing from them, their crops began to fail. Their best began to look really bad. Their lambs weren't doing so well. Matter of fact, the economy began to tank, okay? Much like maybe today's economy. And it looked bad. But God, because he's so good, he comes back to his people and approaches them and says, hey guys, this is why it's been like that. And we see here this principle of tithe. We see here that, that God is saying, if you just bring this back to me, then I'm going to bless. Now, now some of you are sitting out there and you're already checked out. Oh, I came to one of those churches. The church you came to today, now, now remind, let me remind you, I didn't write this, God did. I'm just sharing it with you and what it says. And in Malachi, it's very clear that the thing that's going to bring back the blessing of God to the people is bringing in the tithe, the first and the best part, bringing it to God, the blessings are restored. In essence, what had happened is for these people, their possessions had become their God. They were no longer looking to God to be their God, they were looking at possessions, and that literally bringing the first and the best had just become something they had to do, and pretty soon now they're just bringing something. They had made possessions and money their God. This doesn't work, though. Let me read to you Matthew 6, 24, if you want to turn there. Or it might be on the screens as well. Matthew 6, 24, it says this. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now there's a period there, and most of us stop right there. But if you read on, listen to what it says. You cannot serve God and money. Wow. Why is that in the Bible? I mean, it's talking about serving two gods. It's talking about, hey, you can't serve two gods, and then it qualifies what those two gods are. You can't serve God and money. I mean, he could have put anything there. You can't serve God and your wife. Come on, somebody. Just kidding. You can't serve God and this thing. You can't. But he put money there. Why is money right there when it comes to serving two gods? Why is it God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then money? Why is that there? Because God knew. God knew that money would begin to rob you of your time, 
would begin to rob you of your energy and begin to rob you of your affection. In other words, that money would compete for the time that belongs to God and compete for the affection that belongs to God. He knew that. Let's just be honest, and, and you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about it. What is one thing that you think about on a daily basis? Money. Whether you go to a grocery store, whether you're looking at your budget, come on somebody, because we're all going to be great budgeters, okay? No matter what it is, I mean, you think about it, it goes across your mind at least once. You think about it, okay? And God knew that that would begin to rob you of your affection. But you can't serve two masters. So therefore, then God institutes this principle of tithe. And what we begin to see is that it has really nothing to do with the money, but it has everything to do with your heart. Let's get, some more, let's get some more scriptures here. God knew that money would compete for your heart, your time, your affection, so he institutes the tithe. In Leviticus 27.30, we see this. We see that, that the people were challenged to bring a tithe of everything. They were to bring a tithe of all. Okay, That word tithe, or the Hebrew word in that context, it really means a tenth. They're to bring a tenth of everything. So the word tithe, as we use it today, means a tenth. Okay? So in Leviticus 27, verse 30, it's saying this. Hey, bring 10% of everything that comes in and bring it to me. Give it to me. Okay? Now, if you understand the Bible and you study the Bible a little further, we see this, that the number 10 is the number for testing. Okay? We see the 10 plagues that came upon Egypt. What was that? That was a test. Is Pharaoh going to let the children of Israel go? Plague 1, plague 2, plague 3, 10 plagues. And finally get out of here okay what was that? it was testing pharaoh's heart and it was also testing the children of israel through that process are you going to trust me okay when the children of israel left and they came out of egypt they were to go to the promised land canaan but before they could get to canaan they had to go through 10 cities and they had to take those 10 cities out before they could get to the promised land what was that it was a test the number 10 it's the number of testing why is God asking for a tithe? Because it's not about the money, it's about the test. And the question is, is are you going to pass the test? God wants to test us. Where is our heart? Where is our trust? Is our trust in our ability to accumulate wealth? I've got to keep this for myself, or is my trust in God? And I say, man, every time I give my 10% to God, man, the windows of heaven continue to open up over my life, and great blessings are poured down. This is the principle of the tithe. It has nothing to do with your money. It has everything to do with, do you trust God? Will you continue to bring in, are you with me this morning? Will you continue to bring the first? Will you continue to bring the best? Bring the tithes into the storehouse. Now some of you sitting here, maybe you're thinking, well, I thought the tithe was under the law. And I, I always like to give this argument, well, okay, if the tithe was under the law, let's look at New Testament. And let's look at Acts. In the book of Acts, it says they brought everything they had. And every time I bring that into the picture, they're like, no, let's go back and talk about the 10%. Okay? Let's, let's, let's go back there and start. Let's go back to that. Let's go, let's go back to the law. Come on, somebody. Okay? But here's what we're going to realize, that, that the tithe was not established under the law. Because someone would say, well, didn't Jesus Christ come and do away with the law? I mean, come on, we're in grace. We can just give here and give there. No. The tithe was actually started about 400 years prior to the law even being established. We find this being established in Genesis 14 with Abram. 
when Abraham brought a tenth or a tithe of all he had in this picture. You can go back and read that. But actually, if you go back even further, you see that offerings were actually and sacrifices were actually brought to God even earlier with Cain and Abel. They were to bring, okay? And in the whole context of that passage, it was all about a heart issue with Cain and Abel. Why? Because a tithe has more to do with your trust in God than it does with the money. Here in Malachi now, their possessions have become a false god. Much like, like many people today where, where money has become a false god. It robs you of your affection. We spend 40 hours a week working for, I work hard for my, come on somebody, don't make me start singing. So hard, okay anyway, I should lead worship one of these days, huh? Why are you laughing? And we work for it. We work for it. This thing called money. Okay. Now, yes, we have to work. We understand that. But money becomes, how does money become a, a false god? Money promises you what God can only provide for you. Money promises you these things. Money promises you security. If I have more money, then I don't have to worry about anything. Who cares if the car breaks down? I got money. Come on, somebody. Right? It promises you security. Money, it promises you freedom. Man, if I had more money, I could just do whatever I wanted. Man, if I had money, I would totally give to the anniversary and help get some stuff. I have freedom. Money, money promises you power. I mean, come on, whoever has more money has more power, right? Money promises you all these things. Money promises you significance. But the reality is, is that money promises all these things. But let me just read another scripture to you. And if you're a note taker, you can write this down. Read Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10 to you. Listen to this one. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Another translation says this. He who loves money never has money enough. He who loves money will never be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. What is money doing? Money becomes this God, and it never satisfies, and so, man, you want more. Man, the reality is this. If you have a desire for money, if you love money today, it doesn't matter if you're making 100000 a year. You might get up to 150000 but guess what? You're still going to look at it. It's not going to be enough, and then you get up to 175, and you just want more. Why? Because it doesn't satisfy. Are you with me this morning? And the Bible declares that he who has money never has money enough. And so God institutes the tithe to test our heart, to say, hey, where does your loyalty lie? Is it with money? Because you can't have two gods. We read it in Matthew. You can't serve God in money. Where does your loyalty lie? Do you trust God enough that as you bring in the tenth, the ten percent, that he will open up the windows of heaven over your life and pour out great blessings. Let's real quickly look at three things that the tithe provides a blessing for. Blessings that are provided through the tithe. Number one is this. Provides for God's work through his local church. The tithe that comes in Many of you today, you're sitting here and you, you gave your tithe. You heard my wife talking about, you know, how we want to do some upgrades in kids. Man, my kids are memorizing more scripture than I am right now, okay? And I'm actually, I'll be honest with you, I've been challenged. Yes I, yes, I get scripture memorized as I study the word and things like that, but I've been challenged by my daughters. 
And yes, we put a little reward out there for them. We said, you know what, let's, let's create a kid's store. And it's so awesome. They got these really cool Barbie dolls and say, why are you talking about Barbie dolls? Because I have two daughters, okay? I don't know what it's like to have a son and toss a football around, okay? I play Barbies at home. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it, too. And so we have this store, right, up there, and, and it has, like, you know, they get so many, like, 360,000 points. You're like, oh, my gosh, it's going to take them, like, 10 years. No, actually, they get, like, they can get up to, like, 50,000 points a weekend, right? 30? And so it only takes them. We wanted to make it challenging enough, but come on, I mean, three points, it just sounds like, ah, uh, but to kids, like, 30,000 points are like, yeah! <laughs> come on. Okay, it's like you, $3 or $30,000. Which one are you yelling for? Okay. $3 doesn't even buy me a Starbucks. <laughs> come on, somebody. 30000 would buy me a lot of Starbucks. And they have this store up there, and we have these things set up that they could see, and they begin to memorize their verse. So yes, you know, we, we, kind, of, we kind of just help them along, but man, they're so excited to learn some memory verses. But listen, we wouldn't have that store, we wouldn't even have that room up there, because every room we add had people not said, you know what, I'm going to bring the tithes into the storehouse. But because some of you have learned the principle, and some of you others are learning the principle, and you continue to bring, we can continue to expand our children's ministry. Our budget's going to go up when we launch our junior high ministry on Sunday morning. You know, it'd be nice just to stick them out on a metal table outside, but come on, I'm a nicer pastor than that, okay? I'd like to get them a room, but that's going to add about, uh, I don't know, roughly 600 more dollars a month, but you know what? It's worth it. Why? Because we're not here for a building, we're here for people. Do you know that we've actually had people not come back to our church for one reason? We didn't have a junior high ministry. And they said this, they said, hey, as soon as you get your junior high ministry rolling, let me know, I'll be back to your church. What do they think about? They think about their kids, and I honor that. I think that's great, okay? But to add another room is going to add more to the budget. But here's the thing. As we bring, as we collectively bring our tithe into the storehouse. Now, here's what we see in Scripture, that the storehouse is often a, a type and shadow of the New Testament church. So in other words, the storehouse is actually talking about bringing your tithes into the church. And as we do that, it continues to provide for the work of God's local church. Okay? If this is your church, bring your tithes here. If this is not your church, whatever is your church, man, that's where your tithe goes to. And it comes in. But look at what it says. It says, test me now as you bring in the tithe that there will be food in my house. It's natural, but it's also spiritual. As you're sitting here today, what are you receiving right now? You're receiving spiritual food. You're receiving spiritual input. For some of you, this is the only time during the week you receive spiritual input. Thank God for those that tithe. Thank God for those that give so that we can open up the doors of this on Sunday morning and continue to give you spiritual food, okay? And we continue to do that, and we continue to feed. Some of you, you got saved right here in this church. And as I look around, I know exactly which ones. Some of you, you rededicated your life right here in this church. And it's so awesome because people gave. We were able to open up the doors of this church, and you got right with God. Or maybe you come, came to encounter God for the first time. I think, how many of you guys think that's an amazing thing? Come on, that people would be getting saved because somebody was willing to give and willing to walk in obedience to God's word. And as some of you sit here today, God's beginning to teach you. You got saved here, now God's beginning to teach you this tithing principle. Man, I should give. Why? Because it's not about me, but as I give, man, they can open up the doors to junior high ministry, and, and now more people are going to come, and we can continue to see this thing grow. How does that happen? As we continue to walk in obedience to God's word, and we continue to bring the tithe. It's very, it's very practical as well. Because you've given, do you know that 10% of what comes into this church every month goes to church planning? In the last two years, we have given 10% every month, and over 100 churches have been planted with that money that we give. 
If you want to see which churches they are, just go to our website, click on ARC down at the bottom, and you can see all the hundreds of churches that have been planted. Why? Because you've learned the tithing principle. Because you give. We were able to give over 200 toys away this last Christmas to kids in need. How many of you guys think that's pretty cool? Okay? We were able to bless children in need. Why? Because you gave. Because you gave this last year, we were able to do something called space makeovers for two single moms in our church. Totally deck out their place. I don't even know how many goods or how much that cost, but it was a lot. And people donated goods and people bought stuff and, and we brought it together and we were able to redecorate their whole entire place to make it more comfortable for them to live in. And they're still ha- here at our church today because you continue to give. This is a powerful thing. Because you continue to give, we were able to feed over 300 homeless people a Thanksgiving dinner this year. Because we continue to give, the local church continues to move forward and continues to progress and continues to see more people, more people saved. We've been able to give money to missions in addition to church planning. As a matter of fact, we're sending out our very first missionary from our church this summer. And we're going to support, I don't even know, she's, is she in kids or is she in here? She must be in kids. I don't see her. Because it's kind of dark out there too. So, Is there anybody even out there? <laughs> Talking to myself. We're sending, this summer, we're sending out our first missionary down to Mexico to work in an orphanage. I think that's pretty cool, okay? Because people understand, man, it's not just about, you know, the money, but it's about my heart. And if, if I pass the test, then other people get blessed as well. Honestly, it's my opinion that every single person, if they, every one that calls themselves a Christian would learn to tithe, that, that people wouldn't need to look to the government for help. They could look right to the church and say, man, I, 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 need, I need some help. It provides for God's work through his church. Number two, number two, it teaches us to put God first. The tithe teaches us to put God first. I cannot think of a more tangible way to put God first in my life. I mean, think about it. You have to consciously think about, okay, I'm going I'm to write the check. I'm going to consciously pull out the 10% out of my pocket, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop it in the offering bucket. And every time you're doing, what you're doing is you're putting God first. It's such a tangible, practical way to do that. My wife and I, when uh, we first got married, I was working a valet job. She was working a restaurant job. And because, honestly, a tithe, yes, it can just be 10%, but really, if you look at Scripture, a tithe is the first and the best. It means this. When you sit down to do your budget, budget whenever you do it, the very first thing you do is you say, I'm going to write my tithe check out. And some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, that would never work. It's usually the last thing I do. Okay, I believe that's going to change. The very first thing you do is write that t- tithe check out. Then you go pay your mortgage, you go pay this, you go take care of your rent, whatever it is. Okay? My wife and I, what we would do is, at the end of every night, coming back from work, because we made tips, we would take 10% right off. The first thing we'd do, we walked in the door, and we had a jar uh, underneath the counter, and we would put that money in there, stick the jar back in, and when Sunday came, we would pull that out. And we bring it. the very first thing we did. Because we were convinced that, man, that, that living under the blessings of God with 90% is a lot more <laughs> and a lot better than living with 100% without the blessings of God. And we would do that. See, some of you are being challenged right now in your thinking. But I can't think of a more tangible, practical way of putting God first in our lives. Here's the thing. Is that I can look out there right now and I can tell which one of you are tithers. How can he do that? Because the tithers, they're sitting out there like, like, oh man, this is so good. 
man, Pastor Ben, you haven't preached a message on tithing, I don't think, ever. This is great, man. Man, this is awesome. Yeah, tell it how it is. Man, the blessings. The rest of you are sitting there like, my God, is he almost done? <laughs> I mean, really, I came today? Oh, my gosh, why? I knew I should have stayed home. I mean, is he serious right now? Honestly, give 10%. Does he know what that will, that will do? I'll have to rearrange everything in my life. I mean, I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to sit down and actually think about this. And th- I, can't, I can't give 10%. I mean, is, is he serious right now? I mean, some of you really want to nudge the person next to you and be like, is he serious right now? Come on, you know I'm talking about you right now. You're just like, man, is he, I mean, I, how is that possible, giving 10%? I mean, I would have to rearrange my whole life in order to put God first. Is that what you're asking me to do, Pastor? Yes, that's exactly what I'm asking you to do. I mean, think about it. Think about the honor. Think about how honored you would be to be like, you know what, God? I'm going to rearrange my whole life to put you first. Because, I mean, you only sent your one and only son. I mean, you only opened up the windows of heaven and just continue to bless me. I mean... Think about the honor of rearranging our life to put God first. There's no more practical and tangible way of doing that. And the reality is, for those of you that are sitting out there right now, like, I cannot wait for this thing to end. I'm never coming back to urban church. Okay? Is God first in your life? Yeah, it might mean that you can't go to Starbucks anymore. Oh! He did not go there. I'm leaving right now. As soon as this close their eyes for prime, out of this place. How dare he take my Starbucks? Go to 7-Eleven. Go to Dunkin' Donuts. It won in the taste test. Okay. Are you are you telling me, Pastor, that I might have to cut my cable? God forbid cut your cable? I mean, because there's so many holy things happening on cable. Why would I want you to do that? I mean, no, don't cut the cable. By all means, cable should come before God, okay? And what are you telling me? Are you really telling me that I should cut my cable just in order so I can give, if that's what it takes? Yes. Absolutely. See, some of you thought putting God first was showing up to church on Sunday, and now you're wishing you hadn't, (laughs) Showing up to church on Sunday, that's easy. Although there's countries where it's not. See, some of you thought putting God first in your life was like, oh, I'll I'll go online and I'll read the devotional real quick. (laughs) Oh, they want me to read the scriptures too. But now we're we're at at a whole different place. Now we're, I'm actually, he wants me to give 10%. There is no greater tangible way of putting God first than than pulling out your checkbook and saying, God, this hurts, but I'm going to trust you. And I guarantee you when you do it, now listen, I'm not saying that you're going to go check your bank account and there's a million dollars there, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Okay, you heard me at the beginning, but I tell you this, as you continue to put God first in the tithe, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Test God. Do you got the same Bible? Maybe a different translation, but what's it say in your Bible? Does it say if you want to? 
When it's convenient? When it's easy. When I show up to church? What would be really cool is if you didn't come to church, you know, like once a year, if you just saved up all of your tithe. Bring it on that day. (laughs) I'm glad you're laughing. I thought some of you hated me for a minute. Maybe you still do. The tithe provides for God's work through his church, and it teaches me to put God first. Teach me to put God first. For some of you, you, you haven't tried this yet, and you haven't lived by this principle yet. I want to challenge you in 2011. This is just January. Start now. Don't you just, just start today. I want to challenge you to step out in faith. Not because I'm asking you to, but God's asking you to. Not because I'm the one putting you to the test, but the word of God is putting you to the test. And I'm telling you, when you step out, man, there is a whole new level of faith that comes. Number three, tithing increases my faith in God. Tithing increases my faith in God. It increases my faith in God because you give that first tithe check. If you're like me, you wrote, you wrote that first tithe check, you look at your budget. Okay. I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to do it. You write it out, you put in the offering, and then you go home. It's like, God, please! Please come through. God, please. It's already increased your faith. You're crying out to God. Come on, somebody. It increases your faith. And there is no, I mean, come on, it's not really that big of a step of faith to get up and, and read the Bible. It's not really that big of a st- step of faith to, to come to church on Sunday. You want to increase your faith in God? Do what the Bible's telling you to do here. And it'll teach you that 90% with God goes a lot further than 100% without. Tithing, li- listen to me, tithing, ladies and gentlemen, will break the grip of materialism on your life. And you'll experience more freedom than you've ever experienced in your life. Yeah, you might have to rearrange some things. You might have to start shopping at Target rather than shopping at Nordstrom. I can't. I mean, have you ever seen the way those jeans look on me? (laughs) It'll break the grip of materialism on your life. And you'll have more freedom than you've ever had in your life. When you step out in faith and you begin to tithe, here's the reality of it. We've been talking about this principle. We not only see it in the uh, Old Testament, but yes, we see it in the New Testament. But in the New Testament, man, it even goes further than that. Because not only did the, did the disciples in, in Acts begin to challenge the people and say, hey, bring everything you have. Let's have all things in common. Let's make sure no one has a need. But Jesus Christ always takes things to the next level. In the Old Testament, it says, hey, you, you don't want to commit adultery. In the New Testament, Jesus says, hey, hey, stop lusting after somebody. In the Old Testament, it says, hey, don't commit murder. But it, Jesus takes a little bit further, and he says, hey, don't look at somebody with hatred in your heart, or it's like you've committed murder. Jesus doesn't just want the tithe, ladies and gentlemen. He wants your whole entire life. But this is the beginning point. And as you continue to tithe, and you continue to give, and you see the church of Jesus Christ continue to grow, you found a cause worth living for, and you don't want to stop giving. You don't want to just stop at your 10%. You don't want to just stop at your money. You want to say, Pastor, how can I get involved? How can I serve in a ministry? How can I do this thing? Because the tithe is just the beginning point. Jesus wants your whole life, ladies and gentlemen. 
He wants you to invest everything for the sake of his kingdom because his kingdom is going to come and his will is going to be done with or without you. But he would rather have you with than without. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you, Lord God, that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that right now, the Lord, is, as our eyes begin to close and we begin to see and evaluate, God, what this means to me, just do me a favor. Close your eyes for a minute. And I want you to think about where you're at with God. And maybe you've never been challenged like this before, but, but ladies and gentlemen, I, I do want to challenge you today. If you're looking for a local church to begin to be a part of and begin to grow, I personally believe you found a good one. We just launched our community groups last week. Check them out as you, as you leave today. Find a place to get plugged in. Find a ministry you can serve in. Maybe your heart's drawn to youth. Man, we're, tonight, my house, 5 o'clock, we're, we're going to talk about the youth ministry. Maybe it's children. Maybe you can do videos, lights. I don't know what your gift or your talent is, but man, you found a place that needs you and would like you to jump on board. But as you're here today, and maybe it's your first time, and, and you're getting challenged pretty hardcore, I want to remind you something. It's not me that's ultimately challenged you. It's the Word of God. And I am a living example of what happens when you put and bring all the tithe into the storehouse. You say, Ben, has everything gone perfect? No. I still face challenges. I have a house in Vegas that I wasn't able to sell when we moved here. That thing's bringing me some challenges. But I haven't stopped tithing. And I'm still trusting in God. God wants me to get rid of that house, he'll find a way for me to get rid of that house. And he'll bless me in the process. I have challenges. But listen to me, I'd rather be facing this challenge with God than without God. Ty, it's, it's not about the money as much as it is about your heart. But he wants your life. And you're here today, and maybe it's your very first time. Maybe you're just visiting, checking it out, or... Maybe you've been away from God for a while and you just happened to walk into church today. The greatest thing you could do today, above and beyond the tithe, is surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because there you find what money promises you. There you find freedom. There you find significance. There you find it all. It's what he provides for.